writings of George Orwell, uh, he wrote from, you know, around the 1930s during the Second World War up until when he died, I think in 1951, I think it was. He fought against the fascists in Spain and he was an avowed socialist, but by no means a communist. And in fact, of course, his book Animal Farm is a depiction of how communism goes wrong. His book 1984 could almost be taken as, he wrote that in 1948, simply reversed the digits, and it could almost be taken as a manual for life at the moment and the depiction of what's happening. He, in one of his books, he talks about emotive writing and he, he talks about the term the jackboot, which was commonly used to describe Germans, the German jackboot invading Poland and things like this. And a jackboot, of course, is just a boot, but it's given the term jackboot to give it this emotional connotation. Now, I remember reading an article, oh, God knows by who, some woman, um, shortly after uh, Trump got elected and she had an interview with him. And she describes going into his uh, into his room um, and he, he, where he was accompanied by his henchman. Now, I'm sure, I think we can assume that this, if this same woman was going into an interview with Joe Biden, she would describe those same people as his maybe his advisors or his minders, even minders as a connotation that Biden needs minding, which may not be politically acceptable. And the reason I bring this up is because we are surrounded by emotive words. In fact, the whole of political correctness is, of course, about emotive words, words that really have, many of these words have no meaning outside of their emotion and they're used, you know, emotively. So people have lost the ability to use rational thinking, to step back from the emotion and say, well, logically, what's going on? They're so moved emotionally that they've lost the ability to think. And we see this in the use of the word conspiracy theory. Now, a conspiracy theorist is somebody who's um, putting forward a theory that goes against the accepted norm. And the accepted norm is, you know, what the media, who are following, invariably following a government line, want you to believe. There's another widely used term, which is popularist. Trump was popularist. Um, if a government is elected democratically by majority, that's fine. But apparently, if you're elected by a majority that you don't approve of, then you can be labelled populist. Um, the, the terms are purely emotional. They have no rational meaning at all. And the term conspiracy theory has no rational meaning. But one of the strange things, if we look at the media now is that even if we step aside from looking at so-called conspiracy theorists or other ideas and we look at the ideas on their own merits on their own values they don't stack up the um, 
the narrative about COVID started off that we were going to have lockdowns to flatten the curve, the idea being that it was to stop the hospitals getting overrun by COVID patients. Obviously, that didn't happen. It didn't take off. Um, but the but the lockdowns continued anyway, even when there was no rational reason. So the term flattening the curve simply disappeared. And then we were told that um, if we had the vaccination, this was, we were told, 95 to 98% successful. And then we were told, oh, there's breakthrough um, infections. And now we're told, oh, no, it's, it's, um, it simply stops you getting more ill. And that narrative doesn't stack up if you actually talk to people who have COVID. It's quite obvious that it's not making any difference. We were told that, in fact, we know that your probability of dying or even suffering any bad effects if you're under about 30 from COVID is very low. The death rates from under 30 are almost non-existent, with no comorbidities. And of course, finding that out is difficult, whether there are comorbidities is very low, and yet we are told that seven-year-olds or three-year-olds have to have the vaccination. There is no rationality. We don't need to look at conspiracy theories. We don't need to look at any of the news that's outside of what the media are telling us. We simply need to apply intelligence and rational thinking to what we're being told. But people have lost that ability. A similar narrative comes up when we look at Russia. Now, I don't know what the situation is in in Ukraine, and even my Russian friends who read the Russian media say that they can't really determine the truth. But there's some things that are so obvious that you've really got to take note. When uh, When the Russians moved into Ukraine, we saw uh, videos of I think it was 60 kilometres of tanks and armoured cars and vehicles going into Ukraine. And the media said this is, there is no way that the very small Ukrainian army could stand up to this. Now, I recently read um, that the Russians had been routed in, Ukraine, in Kiev and had to go away with their towels between their feet. But there's no video of any war. There's no videos of any battles. If you get onto YouTube, there are no, there are no independent uh, videos at all. All the videos that come from Fox, CNN, BBC and things like this. So apparently there was a huge battle. So it led to believe, it's not actually stated explicitly, that there was some huge battle and thousands and thousands of Russian troops were killed. There was a, a one photograph, one photograph, which was replicated in all the media, of a Russian soldier who's in one report said to be a general and another said to be simply a Russian soldier, who's dead. And that's it. That's it. This huge battle which the Russians got routed, there was no evidence for whatsoever. We don't need to go to conspiracy theories. We don't need to look at what anybody else is saying. On its own account, it doesn't stack up. There is obviously something very strange going on. Now, I can speculate, but I'm not going to in this podcast. I'm just looking at facts. And the interesting thing is, and I've said before, my... Uh, my articles were taken down from Medium, which is an online magazine, 
uh, all my articles, not uh, just the ones on COVID, because apparently I breached the COVID uh, guidelines. But yet, in I. I never speculated on anything. I simply reported statistics that I'd got from uh, authorised government websites, particularly from worldometers.com, which is still still there. You can still go in there and look at the COVID cases and the by country by country and the vaccination status and and so on. I mean, so far as we know, it's factual. And yet, if you look at those figures, it didn't support what the government was saying. And I simply said this, and now I got taken down. So the idea that everybody who goes against the government narrative is taken in by some conspiracy theory is absolutely not true. You don't need to go to any conspiracy theories. You don't need to look at anything that's outside what you're being told. Now, in New Zealand, they even said, don't believe any... Uh, information that doesn't come from a government website. Now, this is absolutely absurd. Why should we believe what the government tells us? You know, the government scientists have been selected, and often they're not particularly good scientists, and a scientist is such a broad term. You know, somebody can get a degree in chemistry and then set themselves up as an expert in vaccines. And they're called a scientific expert. No, they're, they're not. They're, they might know a thing or two about chemistry or biology, but that's it. It's a, biology is a very specific um, application. And there are many, many scientists, a lot of whom have been banned from YouTube, who go against the government narrative. But we're told we have to believe what the government's saying, and the government is now censoring news. What you're told on the mass media is not the truth it's a very very distorted aspect of the truth youtube and many of these places are deliberately withholding anything that goes against it uh, against that narrative my own view is that there is um, well what you might call a conspiracy it's a concerted effort and in a way the world has got turned upside down um, this is what George Orwell talked about in 1984, Newspeak. Freedom is slavery, war is peace, peace is war. And what used to be moral, good ways of acting are now considered old-fashioned. And what's considered good is to use the right pronouns when you're talking to trans people and and stuff like this and I see it as a preparation for what the Christians call the Antichrist now the Antichrist was predicted in uh, Revelation the book of Revelations and also Muslims talk about the Dajjal the same thing and his Antichrist and I've said this before not in the sense that he's against Christ but in the sense of anti-matter Everything's turned upside down. So this is what we're seeing. We're seeing governments uh, that should be working for the benefit of the people, working for the benefit of themselves. We see media which should be telling, giving information, distorting and deliberately telling lies. We see doctors killing people and so on. And people have lost any contact with that real authentic self.
and I've talked about this before. And one of the things in 1984 that people gloss over in the book 1984 is the use of language. Effectively, if you can control language, you can control thoughts because you people don't have the ability to form certain concepts or discuss certain concepts because the language isn't there. And so people get dumbed down. And of course, this is what we're seeing all the time with our education system. It's got dumbed down, to use the Americanism. In engineering, there's a term called signal-to-noise ratio. And particularly in the old analogue days, you could get a a signal, a voice for instance, but there's a lot of noise in the voice. So the amount of noise compared to the amount of actual signal is called the signal-to-noise ratio. And I've developed a similar kind of concept when I listen to or or, um, watch uh, any discussion or uh, on TV or on the radio or so on, such as the one I'm giving now, the podcast. And that is how much signal is there, how much information is there, and how much noise is there. Now, if you listen to um, DJs on the radio, it is probably 95% noise. It's all just uh, waffle. And uh, if you listen to people phoning in, and it's very interesting, you'll get people phoning in and they can talk for 30 seconds or 45 seconds, which is a long time on the radio. And they're not saying anything. Um, it's all ums and ahs and, oh, well, uh, look, uh, I, I want to say, and I think I could be quite clear about this, that, you know, it's quite true that, and they're going on and on and on before you actually get to any real information. So this is an interesting thing, the signal-to-noise ratio. And, of course, what we're finding in the newspapers and in the media is that that signal-to-noise ratio is becoming, well, the higher and higher in the sense that there's more signal and more noise and less signal. Do you see what I mean? The um, If I look at my news feed, there's very, very little news in there. Even, you know, in the established media, it's about some gossip and, and things like this. Um, with the being deprived of real news, and the real news has been watered down and simplified. Um, in when uh, Abraham Lincoln was uh, going around the country, because in those days that's how they they did. They would have you know town hall debates. Would go to a town and they'd have a town hall debate. And people would turn up. They could talk for a day, discuss for a day quite complex topics. And people would get involved in the topics. Now, you know, 30 seconds soundbite is considered excessive. Everything's watered down. Everything's taken down to its lowest denominator. And people are are fed music and sports and crap in order to keep themselves occupied. So they're not able to discern any real facts or try and cut through the nonsense that they're told. And so the media is able to say of some information, oh, this is the science. And then this gets accepted by the vast majority of people as if the science is equivalent to it being absolutely true. It must be true. 
And of course, there's also this view that science and religion are opposite. And religion is seen as something outmoded and something we have to get rid of. And, and science, or what passes for science, is now the, the new accepted value. And of course, what's called science isn't science at all. Science has its place. Science is a, a way of obtaining information. But I've pointed out before, and I pointed out in my website, that science even when done properly, makes a lot of assumptions. It assumes a three-dimensional universe, or with time and going forwards only. And um, the universe is not like that. And so science is very limited in what it can cover. But even a lot of what passes for science isn't science at all. If we look at COVID, and we actually look at the go back to the raw information in any discussion of science, you have to go back and look at the source of the figures. Don't take somebody's word for it. When they say, oh, um, very few people are being hospitalised who have had the COVID vaccination, check out the figures. People can say that, and they, say that they will lie. They would absolutely lie on, on radio and TV. And people just accept it. No, go and look at the figures. Go and look at worldometers.com and look at their figures for... COVID, and you will find that a lot of what they're talking about is absolutely not true. And of course, many scientists have, have stood up to this and been taken down from YouTube. Many more are too afraid to open their mouths and stand up for things. And I've pointed out before that people achieve positions in universities, for instance, because they've passed exams. And these exams were set by their predecessors. The professor of biology passed an exam that was set by his previous professors of biology and so on and so on and so on. So had they disagreed fundamentally with what the previous professors were teaching, they wouldn't have got through the exams. They would have been considered renegades. So these ways of thinking are simply perpetuated. They're not necessarily wrong. I mean, some of them are, but some of them are, and some of them are right. But they're very limited in their outlook. Um, but when you're a professor and you've invested time, money, energy in your life to a certain extent is dependent on that reliance on science, you're not going to speak up about it even if you have your own doubts and very few acknowledge any doubts because they've cut themselves off from their own conscience. In my view, some of the worst culprits here are the philosophers. Because philosophy should be setting the way. It should be what's asking these questions that I'm asking about the validity of science and so on. But philosophy has so lost its way that the philosophers aren't asking these questions at all. They're stuck in the same nonsense as the scientists are. Um, it's depressing, um, it's depressing. There is now nobody who can step back, except some religious leaders, and of course a lot of religions have got corrupted, <clears throat> who can actually step back and question this whole thing.
for listening. You can email me, phil at graham.net. You can look at my website, philip with one L dot graham.net. Graham is B-R-A-H-A-M. And if you send an email, put podcast in the subject so it doesn't get lost. Thank you.